In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of your, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So taking those words that we see in verse 18, Father God, Father God, we pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we might know you and know the hope to which you have called us by the power of your Holy Spirit and in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now this question, what are you waiting for? That, that phrase, that question, um, can sound very different depending on the answer that we've got. So it could be a question that's just one of sort of frustration and confusion, like you know when you're sat in the queue, like I'm trying to get under through Shortland Station, like what are we waiting for? Like what is going on? Um, or, or it could be in a sense of excitement, like because you know what it is, you know where you're heading, you know what you've got, what are we waiting for, let's go, and that sense of excitement. It could look the same, but actually feel and really be very different. And so you can see like these two, pic these two sets of pictures, and in one sense they both look the same, a group of people waiting. But in one, it's the sort of traffic chaos, and I'm sorry if this brings back painful memories from the summer, of just being stuck in an airport, like what is going on, frustration, desperation, what are we waiting for, what's going on? Or on the other hand, photos from this time last year as people were queuing to see the funeral of the Queen. Or, this, or um, a few months ago, people at the coronation there, people have a clear sense, look, we are here for this person, this person who was our past, this person who represents our future. For one, they both look the same, both sets of photos. Similar sort of experience. One, there's sort of desperation and confusion and frustration, but in the other, it's a kind of sense of purpose. And there's a point. Well, often life feels like what we see in those pictures. It feels like that sense of waiting. And as we come 
to this chapter of Ephesians. It's as if Paul is saying, look, because life feels like that, oh, just because we bounce back, because life feels like that, I want you to know that it can much more be like this. It's still hard, still a struggle, but it can be a different kind of waiting. And in these verses, Paul says that there is someone who can make sense of it, of it all. There is someone who is caring for us in the midst of it all. There is someone who is in control of it all. There's one who is our past, one who is our future, and so one who can be and who can transform our presence. Okay, so if we can bounce to the next slide. What Paul does, as we have that question, he points us to the Lord Jesus. And he points us to the Lord Jesus in these verses, and he says, in Christ, we know the future that God holds for us. And in Christ... We know the God who holds that future for us. So now, as we're in the midst of that waiting and maybe the frustration and the hardship that this time brings, we can look to Jesus and know in him, he's the one who can make sense of it all. So let's, let's take a look at that, at that together. Um, just there that we were reading is page 1174 in the Bibles um, in, in your seats. And in, in the first part that we had read in verses 11 to 14, we're called to lift our eyes to see the Lord Jesus and see in Christ that we can know the future that God holds for us. Now, actually, as we pick up in verse 11, we, we pick up in a long sentence, a long cry of praise that actually we very rudely interrupted last week. Because actually, right from verse 3, it's just one outburst of praise, of Paul praising God for all the things that we have in the Lord Jesus. He looks at the past, he looks at the present, and he celebrates those blessings we have. So let's just glance back at verse 3, praising in Jesus, we were loved in eternity past. And then, and then it bounces in verse 7. Um, in verse 7, we, we have that love, but now we have that rescue in the present, in Jesus. And having looked at, celebrated what we have in Christ in the past, the rescue that we have in, in, in the present, now as we look in verse 11, just look at the way 11 begins, in him, verse 13 begins, in him, and in him we see our future, the future that God the Father holds for us. Let's take a look at that future. In 11 to 12, that future that God holds for us is, is a future in which in Christ, the Father brings us to himself. So look at that in verse 11. It says, in him we've obtained an inheritance. So what's this future that we're looking forward to? We'll, we'll, we'll bounce to the end of verse 12. It's that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to his praise and glory. That we, we might be to his praise and glory. He brings us to himself to delight in us, to rejoice over us so that he, the God and Father, creator of all things, might be glorified in us. And then as you see, so you, you know, the start of the verse talks about this future. The end of the verse talks about kind of what this future is, God bringing himself, bringing, sorry, us to himself. And over the course of the verse, it just shows how that takes place. Planned 
from eternity, planned for eternity by the God who controls all of history. That's what the verse means, having been predestined according to his will, of uh, the will of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Planned from eternity, the God who controls history plans for us an eternity in which we are brought to him. The one who created all things, planned before anything that in everything, at the end of everything, he would be glorified in us. In Christ, we see God's plan from eternity to delight in his people, to rejoice in us for eternity. And that plan is the single purpose, the single thread that runs through all of history. All of history, every part of your story, each step of our journey, it's being bent, it's being guided by the Father so that he might delight himself in us, in those who have come to his Son, who have come to him. 13 to 14 just gives us, as... as as the Father bends history, as the Father writes our story, as the Father guides our journey, in verses 13 to 14, we find that that Father then seals us with his Holy Spirit. Just watch what happens in verse 13, the very start of verse 13. In him also, well let's just jump to the end. In him also you were, at the end of 13, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. While we wait, while we feel that history, while we walk that hard journey, while we're in the midst of maybe a confusing and difficult and painful story, our Father God gives us the Holy Spirit in the midst of it all. And watch how, how that takes, takes place, the start of verse 13. In him also, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you hear these words in the Bible, and when you believe in them, as we hear these words in the Bible about Jesus, as we hear these words in the Bible about Jesus, what's actually happening? The way the verse ends. We're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. As we take hold of Jesus as we hear these words. We hear these words, as we take hold of Jesus, that is actually the Father sending his spirit to take hold of us. He comes to us by his word. He works in us so that we might have faith and he keeps hold of us as our heavenly Father brings us home. And so in verse 14, this Holy Spirit who's been given to us, he is the guarantee of our inheritance until that final day. That phrase, that guarantee, has both that sense of the promise. He's that promise that this will come. 
But it's more than that. It's like the down payment. So we've recently had to, had to get a car, and the first thing we had to do was, was not just tell the guy, yeah, we'd like that car. They're like, yeah, yeah I'm sure you would. Um, please, could you, you've got to put some money in there if we're going to set that car aside for you. You've got to place that down payment to make sure that that car will be yours. That foretaste, there's a lot more to come, a whole lot more to come, but this is just, and these verses say that Holy Spirit is not just the promise It's a part payment, a little tiny bit of so much more to come. A foretaste now of his delight in us then. His joy in his people now is being felt as the Holy Spirit comes to us. So as we hear of the Lord Jesus, as we open the Bible, Sunday by Sunday, day by day, or chatting with friends, as we hear of Jesus and his love, and as we believe that gospel and know that that love is for us, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, making us feel a little bit now of what we will know fully then in the future. That future then when the Father brings us home. The presence now of the Holy Spirit with us is a promise and a foretaste of what it will be like when we are brought into the presence of God, our Heavenly Father. You see, as we look to Jesus, Paul says, lift up your eyes. Look to Jesus in the waiting, in the struggle, maybe in the confusion. Look to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we see that the Father is bringing all those who trust in him, all those who are in him. In him, we see that the Father is bringing us home. And in him, we see that the Holy Spirit claims us as his own. So that now and forever, in Jesus, we might be to the praise of his glory. Now, I don't know if you've seen this film, The Impossible, um, it came out about 10 or so years ago. It's, it's kind of one of those, take a deep breath, it's going to be an emotional time. One, one of those kind of movies. Um, and uh, it's, 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 it's based on a true story about a, fa- about a family torn apart by a tsunami. And it's a story of, of the dad searching to bring that family, devastated and torn apart by the tsunami, searching and, and struggling to bring them together and bring them back home. It's this relentless, unstoppable, tireless love. And I have to say, when it got to the final scene, a little moisture in my eyes, a little, just a little bit there. It's a beautiful scene because what, what you get, you get, the whole family has been brought by the father onto this plane. And they've been through it. And, and even in the moment, like the mom is still, is still in like a hospital trolley, but she's there, she's on the plane, even in her weakness. And the amazing thing of that is you look at that and you realize it doesn't matter how nervous that family still might be, how unsure they might be if this is really it, how weak they are, how fragile they are. The father's brought them to that plane and on that plane, they're heading home. And it's a great moment. Um, well, it's maybe just a silly example. But you could say that in Christ, the Father has brought us onto that plane. It's that moment, the climax, the basically the happy ending of the relentless, the unstoppable, the tireless love of this heavenly Father to bring us to his Son and in his Son to bring us home. So it doesn't matter how fragile we feel. It doesn't matter how uncertain we feel. It doesn't matter how fearful we still are or even how many doubts we have. 
Those doubts, that fragility can't stop the plane. That weakness can't stop the plane. In Christ, nothing can stop the Father bringing us to himself. As we look to Jesus, we see the future that the Father holds for us. And so that gives us incredible certainty. Paul wants us to celebrate with him as we feel that certainty. God the Father is is, is bending history. He's writing our story. He's guiding our journey to bring us to himself in Jesus. And so in the midst of that history, although we don't think our story makes sense, although we don't think our journey has a clear destination, he has given himself to us in the Holy Spirit so we can have a foretaste of where that journey is going, why that story might make sense. And as it gives us that certainty, that certainty, I hope, can give us some clarity Just give us clarity about our lives, about where everything is leading. If that's where everything is going, come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. That is where history is going. That is where everything is moving. That is the future that God from eternity has planned for eternity. Don't miss out on it. This is where everything is headed. Come to Christ. Cling to Christ and treasure Christ above all else. Whatever ambitions or pride might distract me, whatever disappointments or struggles might discourage me, in Jesus, we see where everything is moving. God's love for us in his son. Now, but it could be at this point that I've lost you. Okay, in which case, uh, like, come back, come back, come back. Because it could be that you're feeling a little bit skeptical and you're thinking to yourself, what, like, really, Jesus Jesus is the center of all of human history and more than human, like everything, the universe, like everything is, is shaped for the good of those who trust in him. It could be that you're skeptical. It could actually be that you're not just skeptical, you are also skeptical, but you're, it could also be that you're a bit hurt as well. I mean, that you've known disappointments, that it all feels too distant. You face suffering and this feels all too unreal. And even the talk about the Father bringing us home, well, that triggers more pain than hope, more uncertainty than security. Well, that, if we're feeling skepticism, if we're feeling hurt, that is why immediately after this praise to God, Paul prays, cries out in prayer to God. Because Paul's saying, look, if if you're going to rejoice in this future that God holds for us, if we're going to rejoice in the future that God holds for us, well, we're also going to need to rejoice in the God who holds the future for us. The only thing, as we hear about this future, the only thing to help us in the midst of skepticism or in the midst of hurt is in Christ to know the God who holds the future for us. And that's why in verses 15 to 16, the thankfulness overflows into prayer. See, uh, verse 15 and 16, he says, basically, as soon as I heard that you were Christian, as soon as I heard you were trusting in Jesus, as soon as I heard that, that everything I've just said from 3 to 14 is true from you, for you, I give thanks. But no sooner does he give thanks than he turns to pray. He prays 
And look at what he prays, actually, verse 15, uh, sorry, in verse 17. So we'll look at 16. So I didn't cease to give thanks for you, but that thanks immediately leads me to pray. So I'm remembering you my prayers. And what does he pray? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray, Paul says, that the Father of the Lord Jesus would pour out his Holy Spirit so that you might know him, the truth of who he is as the Heavenly Father. Praise that, 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 the Father, that we might know him. That's the heart of his prayer. So 18 to 23, he prays that the Holy Spirit, that the Father would send the Holy Spirit to show us the truth of who he is. And what is it that the Holy Spirit shows us? When the Holy Spirit shows us this, what is it that we see? We see over verses 18 to 23 what the Father has done for us in Jesus. If we want to know the Father, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to show us what the Father has done for us in Jesus. Just take a look at that. Look at what he's done for us in verses, um, in verses 18 and 19. Because as, as the Spirit shows us the Father, we see what he's done. And just look at this wonderful list of things. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so as the Holy Spirit works, the eyes of our heart are enlightened. So what do we see? That we may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us. We see a powerful, a powerful love calling us in hope to be his treasured possession. You see, praying that, that, that our hope, this hope of being his, did you notice the inheritance that we are in verse 18? That our hope in the middle of 18 is that we will be his glorious inheritance at the end of verse 18. What God is doing by his powerful love is that in all things we might be his treasured possession. Our hope is that we will be loved securely by him. You could put it this way, that our inheritance is to be his inheritance. That our greatest treasure is the fact that we will be treasured. We will be treasured infinitely, eternally by him. The one who made all things. Just think of the amazing things we delight in as we look out at creation. It could be a sunny day like yesterday. It could be um, stars on a clear night. It could be something you read in a science book about the extraordinary tininess of atoms or something about the awesome greatness of galaxies that people are only just discovering, black whatever that we delight in, the thing that the creator of all those things, what he delights in, will be us, his people. Our hope that we look forward to, our treasure is being loved and treasured by him. And so as we pray to know the Father in verses 18 and 19, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are shown 
his powerful love. But as we, as we look on, we see that that powerful love, it almost gets clearer. It's almost like, like, um, like a Polaroid photo, if you kind of remember or can imagine or seen a film with those, that you, know, you kind of shake it, you shake it, and it begins to come clearer as the Holy Spirit, like the light of the Holy Spirit, lightening our eyes. It's as if this verse is sort of shaking that image and showing us the Father and showing us the Father because we see what we, he's done. And then as we get to verse 19, uh, sorry, in 20, we look and we see that clarity of what he's done in Jesus, all that he's done for us. He's done for us in Jesus, and we can look to him and see who he is, what he's like, and what he's like for us. This, this loving power, this powerful love is a loving power. Just have a look. Just watch what happens, because in verse 19, we see that we're bound to the Lord Jesus. So, so have a look as we're bound to the Lord Jesus there. Um, we, we've seen at the end of 18, his, um, sorry, end of 19, the working of his great might, but that might that he worked towards us in verse 19, verse 20, well, that's a power that he worked in Christ. In Christ. In power towards us according to the might that he worked in Christ. And we're going to see what he does in Christ. But just before we take a look at what he does in Christ, just as we hear it, remember, we're not comparing. There's not a comparison between what God has done for us and what God has done for Christ. It's not just a comparison, although that would be good enough. It's not just a comparison. It's a connection. That what God has done for Jesus, he has done for us in Jesus as he binds us to him. What happens to Jesus is what happens to to us. As we look at Jesus, we see ourselves and so glimpse the loving power of our heavenly father towards us. So let's follow that through. What has God done in Jesus? Well, look, verse 20, he worked in Christ. When he did what? What did he do? He raised him from the dead. That's pretty great. What a great power. Oh, but more. He seated him at the end of verse 20 at the right hand in the heavenly places above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He has raised Jesus. He has crowned Jesus. He has put all things under the feet of Jesus. But look at the punchline. He's put all things under his feet. And then what's the last thing he does? And then gave him as head over all things to us, his people, his church. The risen, the reigning, the ruling Lord Jesus is given in verse 22 to 23 to be united to his people. Is given to be to his people so that his people can be where, can be where he is, can have what he has to receive what he has been given. So if we want to know the Father, if we want to know the Father, we must look at the Son. We must look at the Lord Jesus. Because in the Lord Jesus, we see the loving power of this heavenly Father that he's given to us, his people, the church. 
I don't know if you've um, been to St. Paul's Cathedral, but St. Paul's Cathedral is sort of chock full of plaques, memorials, statues, and all kinds of things. And, and in, a, in a kind of corner, there's a very unassuming, unprepossessing plaque that's entirely in Latin, so I'm trusting on other people for the translation of that. And it seems unassuming and unimportant. You may not even notice it, but it is the plaque for Christopher Wren, the architect of the cathedral, the one who oversaw the building of it, and I'm told that in Latin, it's as if you would see his monument, but look around you. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, right, okay, it's one thing to have a plaque in St. Paul's Cathedral. It's another thing to have statues in St. Paul's Cathedral. It is another thing if your memorial is St. Paul's Cathedral that has all those things in it. Well, it's just a little way. You can think that as an example of the Father has raised Jesus and has enthroned Jesus. The Father has given all things to Jesus. And so if you want to know the Father, look around you. Look around at all the things that he has given to Jesus. Anything in creation, anything that you might delight in, anything you might impress you, those things have been given to Jesus. And here's the thing, look at the church. Look around you this morning. We are those who have been given to Jesus. So you could say, do you want to see his monuments? Do you want to know what the Father is like? Look around you. Look around you. All things have been given to Christ. And the Father has given Christ, like literally to us. That is what the Father is like. That is what this Father is like. This is the Heavenly Father that we're called to see. This is the Heavenly Father who brings us to Himself. So if you're struggling with skepticism, look at Jesus, see the facts of what Jesus, God has done in Jesus, his life, his resurrection, and now his reign. If you're struggling with hurt, look to the Lord Jesus and see what the Father has done for us in him. He has given all things to Jesus and then given Jesus to us. This is the Father who's called us to be his treasure possession, who has given himself to us as he has given his Son. We can know the Father who holds our future. We can know that Father as the Holy Spirit shows us what the Father has given us in his Son. So let's end as we began, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I mean, our life might look exactly the same. It might look like a crowd struggling, hard times. But it's not a crowd, Paul says, as Christians, as the church. We're not a crowd like those stuck in Heathrow, uncertain, unsure, and frustrated. No, we are those who have a Father who holds our future. We are those who know the Father who holds our future. There is one who makes sense of it. There is one who cares for us in the midst of it all. There is one in control of it all. And so let's join Paul in this praise and join Paul in this prayer 
so that we can join in that thanksgiving and rejoicing in Jesus. Let me pray that we would do that. Father God, our prayer is that you, our Heavenly Father, the Lord of, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you, the Father of glory, may pour out the Holy Spirit so that we might have knowledge of you, that we might know the future you hold for us, that we might know you, the one who holds our future, and so that we might rejoice in being in Jesus. For his glory and our blessing we pray. Amen.